0: Hello everyone and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series. This episode is titled Lead Addiction. Everything about lead sinkers. And I'm going to be talking to Aaron Abbott of Triple A Peer Gear. We're gonna be talking about lead styles, lead applications, how to know how much lead and then how the wrong lead can cause lost fish. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and here in our latest and greatest effort, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series and is in the series that we reach out to our captain and guide friends up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their insights, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. And in this endeavor, every episode, I'm joined with my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Welcome to yet another episode, Billy, yet another triple-digit number episode. Triple
1: digits, man. I like the sound of that, Gary. So, yeah, we're, we're in the 100s now, so we'll see if we can make it to two hundred. Unless you fire me before then for all the the, the tech stuff.
0: Um, if anyone's I, getting fired around here, <laughs> it's me.
1: Hey well, you can' read my hat the correct way now. Thanks to Steven, who left a comment on our YouTube channel a few weeks ago that I was in mirrored mode and, and running a blog uh, video blog, I should know better. And it's actually called a video podcast, but I'm not going to get into the semantics. It doesn't really matter. But anyway, but it was a good catch because I did fix it uh, for, for this video. Uh, but anyway, Gary, super fun. Love our community that they get to, uh, you know, comment and do and do fun things like that. So feel free to, to leave us some more comments. And um, send us your resume, Steve. Send us your resume. Send yeah. your resume. And don't be Karen. I mean, Stephen. But anyway. Oh, don't
0: be sensitive.
1: (laughs) I know. Well, well, well. all right. So anyway, let's get back on track here before I go sideways and talk about our sponsors who make this episode uh, possible. We got first up, we got Bland Landscaping Company. So a Bland Landscaping Company is located in North Carolina, and they have a lot of Different opportunities for people looking for a new career. Not really a job, but a career. They get a lot of benefits on their website. So go to blandlandscaping.com slash careers and see if that is something that you would like to take part in. Uh, and Gary, they get a lot of good benefits, as I mention every episode, because they're very enticing. Maybe I want to make a career change from podcaster to landscaping. And they do some big projects, too, so you can go check their website out. So we appreciate those guys being being a part of the show again in 2020 too
0: yeah man love being affiliated with them they fit well with us with our podcast community and uh certainly hope we're helping them find quality people for that quality company
1: that's right man and speaking of quality companies we got marine warehouse center which has been with us since episode number five i get a quick word from them and we'll be right back At Marine Warehouse we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers, we have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water we have.
2: At Marine Warehouse Center as we've grown over the last few years now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs.
1: What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water and also we love to be able to get you out on the water.
2: The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the
0: they uh (laughs) they walk it man they're tight big fans of marine warehouse center they take care of the fish post boat got me set up for another season all right and uh I just enjoy stopping by there I mean it was fun to drop the boat off it was fun to check in on it and it was fun to pick it up man good conversations all the time lots of buzz lots of activity going on there and for good reason
1: yeah man they stay busy and making sure everybody's boats taken care of for the season if you haven't done that, be sure to go over there and let them take a look at it if you got something going on because it is the season. You should be on the water fishing, doing all those fun things. Uh, maybe you see Gary out there, wave at him, hunt him down, and maybe ask Gary to tell you one of Terrell's jokes. I imagine that's – you'd be okay with that. You should Wouldn't go you, straight
0: Gary? to Terrell. You should not ask me to tell <laughs> Terrell jo- – I mean, I do it for the podcast. But beyond <laughs> that, you want to go straight to Terrell. And I don't even know if you call this a joke. This is more of a saying. You can tell me. So Terrell was feeling like he just wanted to give a, a saying this week. Here's Terrell's saying, not mine. Wise man say, making a boat out of stone would be a hardship. A I hard. I, I agree. That's funny. Chip, that's funny, Gary. Good for
1: good for Terrell. Terrell, thanks for submitting that. I look forward to next week. <laughs> Moving on quickly. I'm going to show you a fish picture to rebound from that terrible segment, Gary. <laughs> here's, here's Nick Bodner of Holly Springs. Caught and released this 32-inch red drum using cut pinfish while fishing the surf in Topsail Beach. Uh, Good-looking fish there. 32 inches. All right. What do you think about that fish, Gary? What's your first reaction?
0: Man, I love catching red drum from the surf. Man, red drum from the beach is special, and you know, kudos to that dude. I mean, every year I say I'm gonna I'm gonna do more surf fishing, and then every year I don't. So maybe this is my year, maybe because I am certainly uh, enamored by it. It goes back to my roots, you know, love our surf and tur- surf fishing tournaments or surf fishing anglers. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why I don't get out there and do more surf fishing. It's, it's only my fault.
1: Because you have a boat that Marine Warehouse took care of for you. So you feel obligated. They did all that hard work. In 50 or so captain run. buddies. In
0: 50, years, <laughs> 50
1: yeah, right. years. Why would I go surf fishing when I. That's too much work for Gary. <laughs> 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 it's too much work. However, if you are interested in uh, getting some updated fishing reports, uh we're gonna tell you a little bit more about that toward the end of the show so stick around because we've we are launching a new project gary super excited about it uh that's anybody can can be a part of it and get some updated information along the coast of north carolina so
0: signups are hot man we have clearly our vision for this is clearly resonating we will say you more about it you can also see more on the website and you know we've made a little pitch separate video but yeah man i'm it's very promising it seems like people are responding well to our new concept
1: yeah man it's gonna be great excited for it but until then i'll let you talk about lead gary i'll let you get the lead out of your you know what and start working here hey Terrell.
0: (laughs) all right billy's best takeaway you're gonna in the next 30 minutes you're gonna learn more about sinkers than you thought was possible all right and so it should be no challenge for billy's best takeaway but right now yes it is my pleasure long-time friend, long-time fishing school instructor. This guy comes out for the love of teaching, for the love of being a fishing ambassador, and he gets rave reviews every year, man. One of the most popular instructors we have in the school circuit, and I'm talking about Aaron Abbott, currently of AAA Peer Gear. Aaron, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Gary. I'm sorry, (laughs) I just lost my train of thought for some reason. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. The taste of lead. Nothing like it.
0: <laughs> Aaron, that, that alone should qualify you for question number one, but unfortunately you still have to go through the process of two questions. Sucking on a lead sinker is a, is a approved answer to number one, but I'm still going to ask why, why should this podcast audience of ours listen to what you have to say about lead about sinkers about fishing about anything
2: aaron uh i think they must be really bored gary all right
0: aaron (laughs) question number two
2: take this take take this off your hands here uh lead um Lead is like uh, the application of lead and what we've been doing with lead for years has never really came with an instruction booklet. Uh, We go out and for uh, cast ability and range, we'll put on a four ounce sinker and let her hurl or uh, we have a tendency to try to take too much control of our fishing conditions and not allowing ourselves or the sinker itself uh, to put us in the position, uh, for getting the bite. And without that bite, uh, what are we fishing for, uh, or what are we catching? Usually nothing.
0: Man, that now you've got me, now you've got me hooked. But as tradition goes, you still have to answer question number two. So lead, the word lead is a homograph as in a word that's spelled the same but differs in pronunciation. There's another difference, but I'm focusing tonight on a word. spelled the same, but differs in pronunciation. I've got some homographs for you. You give me the alternate pronunciation. This is like a quiz. Bow. And you would say bow. Well, you
2: want me to answer? I'm sorry. Let me let me get. You would broadcast.
0: say the other pronunciation bow. of these homographs. So if I say oh, bow, okay, very good. The answer okay. would be bow. I've got three more. Yes,
2: sir. Okay, I got you, got you now. It's a uh, the bass. Persuasion.
0: I say bass. You say blast. Um, Boes. Base. Base. <laughs> And I I'll, say
1: I'll, I'll help you. Just move your mouth. I'll say it. You just move
0: your mouth. All right, Billy, you can participate too. I say this one's a tough one. Unfortunately, they get harder. I say minute, you say Minute. Minute. Small. This is going over great. This is this is my best one yet. I say wound, you say
2: wound
0: yes all right enough of that aaron tell me more about lead than i ever wanted to hear
2: well you know what what can we say uh let me see well i I guess the name styles will be what (laughs) i'm sorry what gary
0: I said, in my show notes, I have, you might start talking about styles.
2: All right. You're exactly right. I'm sorry to keep you, uh, keep you out of that loop there. Uh, we have different styles of lead for different positions, uh, to grip, uh, of course in the sand and in the substrate, I have all kinds of shells out here to kind of give us an idea of what we're trying to hang up here. And, uh, we have your classic pyramid sinker. And this is like a, this is like a a, a tongue or a bullfrog. And uh, this is a bank style sinker right here. Uh, Often used in different applications here. So first of all, we typically try to use bank sinkers or uh, or we use these in places where we want our bait to move a little bit more than normal. And for that people is just blown out of the water. What do you mean my bait to move? Um, you want your bait to move slightly with the current and as well to give you an opportunity to fish an entire area versus a specific zone. Now, of of course, once you find that specific zone, you can go ahead and target that uh, by positioning and uh, using the waves and other factors to put you in the hole to catch fish. But what we often do is by using too much lead we don't allow our bait our rig to make proper presentation by being able to go into these indentations in the sand and on the bar so if we're not a- allowing the sinker to catch on these things then obviously we want them to move slowly So we want to pan an area going from left to right or right to left, and we can use this to our advantage. Um, The other option is, is taking a sinker and saying, I'm gonna cast out there and it's gonna stay there. Otherwise, I'm going to add more lead and more lead and more lead. Um, This does nothing but create more chaos for you. It also makes it a whole lot easier for the fish to take your bait.
0: So, if we're talking about so these are more styles for the surf, so what would be the main difference between the pyramid and the I think you call bullfrog tongue sinker
2: yeah uh, this this application typically we're going to go with a lighter style um, usually with our our bullfrogs, we're wanted to have a uh, a application where we'll be using a Carolina rig or a slotting sinker system um to where we could take advantage of the fact that. We're gonna have uh the the weight transfer is gonna be taken away by our line going out. So we'll implement these types of sinkers on a sliding sinker system. Um we could also use the pyramids in a sliding sinking center application or Carolina rig application. But but typically, if you're gonna go ahead and stick it in there, then just do it right, you know. Um once we get back over into our bank sinkers, uh, typically when you're trying to fish around oyster beds, and uh, or a lot of bottom that has a lot of semi-structure like oyster beds, etc., clam beds, or, or just sheer rock or clay, um, this can often keep you from losing too many rigs. So, so these different styles can help you fish in certain locations. Uh, trying to achieve uh what we would consider a fishable presentation um in order to achieve a fishable presentation you basically have to have the castability and range which is brought about by your equipment and the the lead you're going to use if if i was going to go out here and, and fish right now and the water is a little bit rough and i had to use a two ounce um I could often go ahead and go to a three ounce bank sinker if i didn't have that two ounce for a little bit more movement um but it's like i say it's one extreme to the other once we go ahead and start using this much lead compared to this much lead the amount of fish in your cooler grows up very 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 much because They're having the ability to come into a rising tide, aggressively feed, uh, and not feel that big chunk of lead, um, which is unnatural to them. Why else would you go up and grab a hold of a pound of of weight and not let go when you know the wave's going out? So uh, obviously these fish um, are more lead sensitive than we've ever thought they would be and that's not the ones that are this big because everybody catches those we like the ones that are this big they're easier to clean and they're a lot of fun to catch and if you want to release them you can release them but you get a lot of good table fare that way
0: so of course i have a couple of follow ups it's sort of the nature so how is it i'll got to start with how is it that the bank sinker will help you not lose rigs I guess I didn't quite get, I think you made the connection, but I didn't quite okay. get the connection.
2: The, the, uh, the application of the bank sinker on the inside or inside shoreline and in marsh is that you can cast this up near rocky areas, and this will simply slide out of those oysters instead of some of these other sinkers, which offer a lot of grip and different edges to catch on those rocks in order to break you off. So if you have already lost one of these because of structure in an area you're fishing, the application of the bank sinker may help you prevent any more loss and keep your, keep, keep your catchability still without losing more rigging.
0: So I don't know if I'm jumping the gun by asking you about application right now, but I'm I'm definitely in on this conversation. Like you got me. So my audience, I know, likes specifics. So maybe some specific scenarios like species types or type of fishing where the pyramid is your go-to, or you know, or maybe we're talking conditions and we're more than is just as much as we're talking species but maybe just walk me through one by one and like your favorite application of that particular sinker, both species and a conditions conversation, I guess.
2: Perfect. Yeah, we can go through that. That'd be, that'd be absolutely perfect because what we're trying to achieve by using lead is, is we're trying to, of course, target species in, in an area in which they're feeding um, close to shore uh, by using uh, lighter rods and lighter tackle to maximize our efficiency of, of, of how to catch these fish. Um, now typically with regfish they are not tackle shy. Uh, they often desire good fresh bait just like any other fish but they're not extremely tackle shy. Uh, when we get into other smaller species uh, like black drum Uh, sheep's head, their sensitivity to lead is incredible. You literally have to fish practically nothing um, for these fish because you don't want to give them the ability to pull off and remove your bait. Uh, By the application of using a smaller bank, this this would be a three ounce and it's rough, but I'm not wanting this To go out and stay in a specific position i want this to be put into a a position to where it can move and by having a bank sinker on sand and or uh, semi rocky or shell bottom it allows this to move slightly because i don't want this to stay in the same area it doesn't it doesn't improve my odds to stay in one specific area when I can have a movement of being able to fish an entire zone until I have actually found the fish. Then I can do more specific targeting for those fish, but generally pompano trout, uh, they are all light lead maximum one and a half to two ounce bank sinker. Uh, Once you start having to go to these other applications, the amount of tackle you are using to try to fish with becomes non-beneficial. And in actuality, goes downhill pretty fast.
0: So what would you say would be like one of the main scenarios? And it seems like we're talking mostly surf and pier, although certainly these applications, like you point out, grass banks inside, but it seems to be more applicable to the surf and pier community. What's one, what's one style of fishing or, or species of fish where people so often just want to hold bottom when they should be wanting that bait to move around?
2: Uh, it really comes down to a lot of redfish and a whole lot of black drum, even sea All All these bigger fish have a canning and knowing ability and knowledge to know that they don't want to be connected to something that they can't swim away from. Um, so, you know, there's a chain of resistance that we build across from our rod in our hand to our bait on the bottom. And it's, it's so important to be able to provide this in a light lead scenario so that your, your, your more lead sensitive fish, like your speckled trout and or some of your mullets and black drum and red drum, they, they can all be very lead sensitive. I, I can seriously sit down and fish a one ounce sinker in the same area, put a two ounce sinker on there throw it right back out there using the same bait and not have even close to, or if any, success just by changing the amount of lead that I'm using.
0: Okay. And I followed that. Now, when's a scenario where in general, because there is no absolute, I don't think in general, you want that bait holding still. You don't want it to move. You, I know you alluded to once you find a zone, maybe you want to just put it right in that zone and not have it move. But what else am I not thinking of when I would absolutely be trying to have that bait holding tight where I lay it?
2: Right. I mean, <clears throat> typically whenever you're going to go ahead and, and, and want to put something into in place and uh, for uh, more than five to 10 minutes of holding time, maybe less, maybe more, you're going to have to be highly aggressive uh, using different styles in order to pull into that sand and to go ahead and loosen up that drag as far as you can on your reel um, so that you've you've anchored this bait to the bottom, but the line going through this sliding sinker system or your main line will be able to freely go out so you, you can have the the ability to use heavy lead by positioning yourself and offsetting that by the amount of drag—if you loosen up your drag enough back here—so this can be pulled away with without the complete resistance of this sinker.
0: All right. So you just led me to another question. And listen, at at any time, if you want to take over this podcast and push it more in the direction you had to imagine with those notes, and please do so. But listen to you talk about sliding sinker systems. I think people have the question about what's the best sliding sinker system? What's the pros and cons of just a standard Carolina rig versus, you know, something plastic, you know, metal that we slide over? I mean, what are your thoughts on sliding sinker systems?
2: Um, You know, this is one of the, um, you know, I had stayed away from Carolina rigs for a long time as I was introduced to saltwater fishing, mostly on piers. And in order to overcome uh, the, the smaller fish's ability to remove my bait before the larger fish could see the activity and then react and come to it, or the, the scene of what's going on, I needed to have longer soak time and I had to have bait on the, on the hook longer in order to initiate the bigger bite from the bigger fish. And the only way that I could do that would, would be to put in the scenario of if I anchor this to the bottom, then I cause enough resistance for the fish to merely come and pluck the bait off the hooks with without much uh, difficulty at all. But I discovered, when you use less and less lead. These, these secondary fish, be for your primary fish, well, that does not have a chance to re- remove this bait and so by the time these fish get to this bait it has suffered very little loss uh putting yourself in the, in the position of going through those first few fish uh trying to peck away at, at, at your stuff uh and allowing the fish you want to catch to actually get on your rig and you can catch it and having that ability to do that is light lead
0: um I love this concept. I I don't think it's ever crossed my mind. So yeah, if that bait is holding fast, then it's easier to rip it off. If that bait is more free to move around, then you can't rip it off. You can just move the bait around. I mean, I ha- I'm, I'm I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the insight. I'm not quite sure. You, I'm going to follow up with my question. I'm going to circle you back around to my question. But I love the answer. And I've already I already know my Billy's best takeaway. But but we still have more podcasts to go. So are you now of the frame of mind where Carolina rig can work just fine? Or are you still using instruments such as what you were just holding up for the sliding sinker system? And, and, or are there pluses and minuses of both?
2: Um, well, you know, <clears throat> I have tried them all, especially these different type of attachments that we've seen. I'm sure you, you had mentioned a minute ago, there is a type you can, uh, uh swivel over over on top of your mainline uh, But one of the most important uses of these things is, is, is of course is to decrease the, the resistance at the hook and Increase the resistance of what you have holding on the bottom without sacrificing uh, Too much uh, too much resistance for this fish to be able to get your bait off um, This is made for braid If you don't get the ones that you are designed for braid, then you will find out quickly that the other ones won't last very long and you'll end up losing your your lead. Another very important part of using these is you will see a lot of them with white and you will see a lot of them with silver. Um, Once you get into some of these bigger Hatteras blues or some even uh, typically or, or bigger blues, they have a tendency to hit the silver and cut you off Uh, a lot of times especially in the spring it's so important to have no nothing shiny except your hook on on your rigging especially for bluefish Um, once we start uh, beefing things up to the to the to the point to where we're using bigger rods then sometimes our capability of being able to target these species that one ounce or one and a half ounce, etc., becomes very difficult. But in order to get the bite, you have to position yourself where the fish are going to come at you uh, actively feeding with a nice rising tide. I always love fishing the rising tide because it's food coming on the kitchen table. These fish are going to aggressively come out of the troughs and cuts. And smaller bait are going to try to stay as shallow as possible. And they do that by swimming as close as they can until they can't swim anymore. Uh, then these other fish come in and tactically pick them off one by one. So when these fish come in, they are, uh, they're aggressively feeding, but their intent is to come in and to go out. And anything that interferes or offers hesitation uh, is your enemy. Uh so you can literally be in an entire school of black drum and be using three ounces and lose your bait the entire time. Uh-huh.
0: All right, Aaron, with all this talk about making sure we have we're not over leading, that we're having the right lead, I'm guessing you've given some thought, you have some guidance you know, as far as like your technique, your tactics or your tricks for that matter of how to determine what is the minimum, what is the minimum amount of lead or what is the right amount of lead? Like help us out with deciding what is the best to toss out?
2: Well, the, uh, the best to toss out is uh, what is gonna give you the range and castability matching your rod. Uh, if, if you're using a six to eight foot rod uh, which can typically be, be used in applied and surf fishing applications anywhere from a 2,500 to 5,000 series rod, that's going to give you the ability to use less lead. But once you start using uh, bigger gear, uh, your your lead usage is going to go up substantially because of the diameter of your line um, and the amount of resistance and or wind and or water being pushed against your, your line as far as, you know, tide and everything else but overall the more lead that you use the less fish that you're going to catch uh, and that's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings because uh obviously people in this world have caught uh fish off of using a 16 ounce uh sinker uh, preferably offshore um, but the catch rates are not that pretty uh, so I've been doing this and studying lead and its usage for, uh, for, for years because obviously it's uh, the repercussions of its abuse, misuse, and, not, and can often and tremendously affect what you actually put in a cooler uh, if you are going to catch fish. So typically, these are the loss rate guidelines I've typically found in all my years of saltwater fishing and the application of sinkers being used specifically in the sand and in the sound. When I've used four-ounce sinkers, I have a 70% loss rate. When I use a three-ounce sinker, I have a 60% loss rate. When I have a two-ounce sinker, I have a 50-50 chance of getting this fish. And when I throw a one-ounce sinker, I have a 75% chance of catching that fish because By dialing down my lead, I have improved the amount of time in which my bait is going to be available for a larger predator. The more lead that I have used as I start at the uh, top of my 70% loss rate means that these smaller fish are having the ability to remove your bait from your hook before you even know what's going on. Now... You know, tactically, are you using bigger uh, bigger systems and everything else? The application is going to require that you use more lead. But if you have a situation to where you're using three and four ounces of lead and you're losing bait and you're not catching fish, you can take your six-and-a-half-foot, seven-foot rod with 10- to 12-pound braid or monofilament go out there with a one-ounce, one-and-a-half-ounce um, lead usage on any any style of rig and your success rate is going to go through the roof Um, because with the ability to keep your bait on the hook longer that's going to provide these larger fish the opportunity to get your bait most of the time there's nothing left after the first five seconds of your bait hitting the water you have people who want to cast out and let it sit for 15 minutes Uh, I don't advise that. Maybe there are situations which I don't fish in every day. Uh, Typically, I I use rod holes and everything else, but I try to keep the rod out of my hands a lot of times because once I get involved, it's it's something else to make things more difficult in keeping these fish from uh, getting away and allowing them to hook themselves.
0: All right. So I'm going to guess that some people are listening to the suggestion to go light and thinking, I can't catch fish if my rig is just washed up on the beach. And what's the answer to that?
2: Well, the answer to that is that that application is just something that's not going to work. Um, You know, typically the scenario is, is we have about three to four feet of tide uh, here in the Outer Banks. Uh, At low tide, you're standing there, and at high tide, there's three feet of water there. Um, So as we fish these incoming tides, the smaller lead allows you to dig and get into more of these crevices and to take advantage of them. Um, Your lead typically will not sweep up onto the beach unless it has already passed through the trough or number of sloughs and there is a tipping point to where if the wind's blowing 25 miles an hour out of the southwest and there's a current rip well guess what no amount of blood is going to save you but knowing when to give up or how much to actually apply if you have some some rolling towards you change your angle or hey add go up to the next ounce but you have to understand that once you do that your catch rate is gonna be cut in half. And that's just how that factors in. Um, you will lose more bait. You are also have an opportunity to introduce your, uh, your your bait to a lot more bait fish, the more lead you're using. So people need to understand that, you know, making that 30 to 60 yard cast may really be all you need. Um, You know a lot of people are are very concerned about being able to make that 250 or 300 yard shot hey there are applications for that i'm not talking about that i want to be able to actively present their dinner in the lightest form possible and available for them to come and pick up when they're ready to come and being able to target these species by using the least amount of lead um, allows me to take advantage of the bite that there are have been given me already which I have already lost. And, uh, I'm sure I've lost many more fish than I'll ever catch, obviously. But, uh, the application of lead will make a significant difference in how, where, and your success in fishing anywhere, uh, from rivers to anything. I mean, it goes across the board.
0: Man, I, I follow that. I think that's a great answer. Um, well I guess I have a I have at least one a couple of questions, but I think before I just throw these sort of random off topic questions at you, I would come at you because you know you did have that sheet of notes and you you do teach regular at the schools, and I think you've got some other things going. What else is on your notes, man? What have I not set you up that you thought this would be good information to share in a podcast about lead
2: well um I am. The most important thing about me doing this is being able to show people how they can be successful in these situations and applications because the sheer fact that people are not going out and not enjoying themselves and not catching fish in these areas where there are fish because they are having issues with the style and the presentation for their success. People who are not successful are not gonna be interested in fishing. They're not going to be the ones who stand up and or fight and or put money into the system for education and for keeping our beaches healthy um, so my, my main thing is is like how can I help um, your viewers and anyone that I have an opportunity to teach to uh, dodge a whole lot of these bullets of, uh, of figuring out these problems over years of experience this has taken You know, 30 years of experience to figure this out, and I was often told, you know, use the least amount of lead as as possible. But I never applied it until around, I think it was 2015, to where I went ahead and switched over and fished one ounce of lead on bottom rigs uh, in the surf zone at Oceania Pier for six weeks. During that six weeks, I caught more fish than I had in my entire lifetime uh trophies uh larger fish that i couldn't even get on the deck um and some that i did obviously uh but the fact was was that if i did not dial down my gear to where i had the ability to make a lighter presentation then i wasn't going to get that bite there wasn't going to be that fish of a lifetime because uh, going out with 75 pound braid off the pier and in the surface not going to do you any good it's going to just cause this trickle down of you adding more lead and more resistance and more problems and decreasing your catchability and your success in fishing in a saltwater application as well as fish love it everywhere you know they just don't like feeling something in their face for some reason
0: so i'm gonna unless you tell me otherwise i'm gonna call you i'm gonna call that our final thought of this podcast but again i'm i'm happy to set you up one more time look over those notes and let me know aaron anything else to add to this lead conversation
2: uh uh no do you have anything in in uh I do not. I think uh, I think we've covered everything as much as we can cover at, at this point. And of course, we could get into using some decent hooks, but uh, it all it, it all ties together for now.
0: Well, we can come back another time and talk about hooks. We can come back another time and talk about bait. I mean, we'd love to have you back on the show. And uh, no, man, I think your final thought. I mean, I know you've echoed that at the schools as well, I man. Get people caring. Get them successful. And they'll care more, and that's what we all want. We want people to be stewards of the resource. Um, so, my final question for you is, Aaron, tell me a little bit about AAA bait. I mean, AAA pier gear before we say goodbye.
2: Oh, AAA pier gear has been in the works for around 16 years. Once I uh, started coming down to the beach all the time, uh, I uh, had a lot of disappointing uh, events with some of the rigs that I had purchased from the stores. It was okay when I was catching smaller fish, but once I started catching bigger fish, then I started to, to see these flaws in, in gear and losing big fish. And only there's only a certain number of years of therapy that can take away all that pain and anguish from losing the fish of a lifetime. But the only thing that you really can do is, is bring yourself more to a successful position in, in order to get the application and to you know be able to enjoy this resource. Uh, which I'm so proudly been able to do. Uh, AAA Pier Gear basically is a lot of hand-tied rigs uh, for lots of applications, from surf all the way out to offshore. Um, those rigs are going to be offered in, in the next upcoming months uh, through a purveyor, in which I've already chosen. Uh, I'm going to have one central location here in Beaufort at one of our higher, uh, higher end marinas. Um, and then, of course, we're always messing with uh, bait. Gotta love being the the bait guy sometimes. It's always <laughs> a fun job. Um, a lot of people counting on you. Um, but, you know, I, I just can't say it enough or thank you for giving me the platform and the opportunity to talk about something that I love. Uh, fishing is a thousand piece puzzle and the ch- then the pieces change every day and we jump back in it and tear it apart and we try to put it back together. And uh, so, that
0: i'm grateful well i'm glad to hear you think you benefit from a relationship i know i benefit from it so i I love when it's mutual man and aaron i've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation about lead at first thought it's the old a podcast about lead really and sure enough if it hadn't been you i might have been a little bit more skeptical but i appreciate aaron and we'll stay in touch and yeah man we'll have you back for a hook conversation a bait conversation we'll find a reason
2: Gary, I do have one more thing if if you have time. Um, I will be offering charters this year at Chase and Tails Outdoors. Uh, People can reach out to Chase and Tails Outdoors for those days of availability.
0: That surf pier charters, is that what we're talking about, or on the water?
2: Yeah, surf fishing.
0: Right on. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Love Chase and Tails. Glad that you're there. And, man, uh, Aaron, we will stay in touch for sure.
2: It's always a pleasure, Gary. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, man.
0: Billy, what'd you get, man? You just heard more about lead at one time than you've ever heard about lead. Yeah, I've already it, given my best takeaway.
1: In my entire life, I've never heard anything about it. You know what? I just go to a tackle store. I see all this lead. I'm like, well, whatever. I'll just grab one and go. And then I just pop it off the line several times and I go home. Uh, but I took a page of notes. You know, I take notes. Some people call me bullcrapper, but I take them because I want to learn. That's why I'm here. You know, whatever. Um, But, yeah, man, so I, you know, he said it so many times, like, more lead equals less fish. And so I never really thought about the correlation of, which maybe I should. I mean, it's kind of common sense when you think about it, of, like, weight of tackle, rod, reel, line, in correspondence with the right amount of weight, you know, area, you know, all that kind of stuff. But... Uh, didn't even know what a bank sinker was called, didn't know it's called a bank sinker so <laughs> I learned a lot, I mean I wrote down the percentages and everything. So I'm like, cool. I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go back to North Carolina confident that I can uh do a little bait fishing and be better at it cuz you know, honestly I, I suck at fishing and bait fishing in particular. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think uh I mean I said my takeaway like, you know, with the fish can pull swim around with that bait, then he can't pull it off the hook. If the bait is locked to the weight, then he can pull it off. And then the other thing, just listening to Aaron talk, it's that, you know, he's kind of, I mean, he's an ambassador at heart, a teacher at heart for sure. And he's also just got the spirit of a tournament angler. I mean, the way it's all about odds, you know, playing the best odds, making decisions based on the best odds at every step of the rig at every step of the process, and I mean that's a pretty cool way to be analytical when it comes to fishing because yeah we're out there to have a good time but you want you know sometimes you want some fish in the cooler yeah and play the odds man it is an odds game in so many ways
1: yeah man I've said it before on these shows man these guys are more than just fishermen I mean they're like scientists dude they're figuring this stuff out I mean he's writing percentages collecting data for 30 years and you can't really snub your nose at 30 years worth of data. So I appreciate him coming on and sharing that. And hopefully you guys learned as much as I did, because I'm going to be, you know, messing around and trying those different size weights as opposed to, I mean, I literally, Gary would just like grab (laughs) one weight, and just like go to the surf and then be pissed when I couldn't catch anything. So uh, this is really good because it's my world where I live the most on the surf. So appreciate appreciate you bringing on another great guest, Gary. Good job. You get to stay another week. I'll see you next week. (laughs)
0: All right, man. Hey, and don't forget, weekly fishing reports. We are close. As we approach April, we are approaching the start of the Fisherman's Post weekly inshore fishing reports. You know, we're going back to our roots when the paper used to be weekly only. Weekly fishing reports will be offered online only, not in print form, online only. And they will be behind a paywall. A lot of effort, a lot of energy, and some cost as well to bring this to you. And uh, what I said at the show start is true. Uh, Sign ups going great at Fallen, our two fishing schools. A post on Instagram and Facebook, Um, they're there. And so, you want to go to fisherman'spost.com and look at premium content and find out more about it. The quick of it is, right now, a charter membership 50 bucks gets you a year of weekly fishing reports. And not only a year of weekly fishing reports for 50 bucks, but you get to renew year after year. We are going to reward those that come on early and support us in this venture. And then, afterwards, after this charter membership expires, it'll be ten bucks a month, hundred bucks a year. So you want to lock in now for a lifetime perhaps of fifty dollar weekly fishing reports. How do I do, Billy?
1: You did great, Gary. You crushed it, man. And I think for our for our podcast audience, either your viewer, your listener, maybe both, it's it's great because we're gonna be doing video and audio behind that behind that wall. And you know, for audio, it's gonna be a private feed right to your phone. So just the same way that you consume this podcast. If you're listening to it, uh, you'll be able to do that. And then if you want to watch, you can log in uh, on the website and watch. So um, not not a whole lot of difference, just more like premium content. And, you know, we're doing a lot of work to get the right people at the right time to get that up-to-date information every single week. So I'm pretty excited about the project, Gary, for sure. Me too. Awesome, man. Well, dude, we'll see you in the next episode. And once again, you guys go support Aaron uh, and Crush It and support our sponsors, Marine Warehouse Center and Bland Landscaping Co. We really appreciate those guys making this episode happen, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you, man.